Are you ready for the quantum age? Humanity's next step in evolution? Dream Vision 7 Radio Network invites you to the extraordinary platform of evolutionary voices for the quantum age. Let's explore. Learn more about this upcoming age where we bridge science with spirituality. Where potentiality meets reality. Where we take compassion into action. Our trailblazers and visionaries will ask the whys, the what ifs, while igniting continuous possibility. Come along with us into an age beyond what we know today, where we can grow together in unity consciousness. Experience evolutionary voices for the quantum age, Monday through Friday at 8 a.m. and 8 p.m. Eastern on DreamVision7Radio.com. Welcome to What's in Your Way is the Way with your host, Mary O'Malley, inviting you to open to the radical notion that in your life, whatever you perceive to be in your way is the way. In other words, your challenges, whether they be relationships, compulsions, finances, or illness, come with gifts embedded in them that can bring healing and allow you to experience the joy of being fully alive. Mary is a counselor, awakening mentor, inspirational speaker, and the author of What's in the Way is the Way, the gift of our compulsions, belonging to life, and the magical forest of aliveness. What's in Your Way is the Way with Mary O'Malley is part of Evolutionary Voices for the Quantum Age. Heard Monday through Friday at 8 a.m. and 8 p.m. Eastern on the Dream Vision 7 Radio Network. Welcome. To what's in your way is the way, and I am your host, Mary O'Malley. And today we are exploring meditation simplified. The power of naming. The range of what we think and do is limited by what we fail to notice. And because we fail to notice that we fail to notice, there is little we can do to change until we notice how failing to notice shapes our thoughts and deeds. Previously, we have explored how to discover our breath and return to it over and over again, returning home to this moment, which increases our ability to see the stories that move through our head all day long. The more we return to a focus, the more our attention is here for what is rather than what it wants to be. We discover that we don't have to follow our thoughts wherever they go. Our experience of life becomes dramatically different when we can have moments relating to what this busyness in our minds is doing rather than being lost in it. Go back to the experience of moving your finger around in front of you that we explored before. And rather than following it with your head, keep yourself centered and just watch the finger with your eyes without moving your head. This is the place where your attention is stabled and centered fostering curiosity about what thought is doing. Just as you can see the finger moving without moving your head, you can see thought without getting lost in it. The way we see thought without getting caught up in it 
is to name what the mind is doing when we notice that we are not with our focus. Whenever we name to ourselves what thought is doing, we have stepped out of it, at least for a moment. In the beginning, it's difficult to see thought because most of the time we've been lost in it. Because of this, naming progresses through stages from a general noting to eventually a very clear ability to see the entirety of the story we took on. The most general level of naming is to say silently to ourselves when we notice we are no longer on the breath, thinking or story. Let's take a moment and explore this. Close your eyes and allow a few deep breaths. Bring your attention to your breath and become keenly attentive to it. There it is, rising and falling, rising and falling. When you notice you're no longer paying attention to your breath, say silently to yourself thinking or story. Then bring your attention back to your breath even if you've been gone for what seems like a long time, and even if you can only stay there for half of a breath. Be willing to do this for five minutes every day. When you're ready, open your eyes and take a moment to see life with new eyes. The key to naming is not only to be gentle and non-judgmental, but also persistent. The mind will throw up all sorts of ideas about why this is a waste of time, why it isn't working, and why you'll never do it right. Simply note thinking or story and return to your breath. Noticing what thought is doing. The mind is happening all by itself. Struggle arises uninvited. It is your resistance to it that makes you think it's so real. And you have often cultivated very little trust in the natural process of the mind and body because you have fought with it so often, thinking you have to be something else. No blame, just something to notice. Big surprise there's struggle in the mind. Who doesn't have it? But the way in which we meet it can create an even deeper faith within us that all we are experiencing is simply passing show. Nothing you need to fight, just something to soften, to acknowledge, to open around, to let go and to let be as it is, greeted with curiosity and heart. Stephen Levine. Once we've cultivated the ability to return to a focus, noticing when thought takes us away and then naming it, you can also learn how to see the mechanics of thought, whether it's leaning into the future or into the past. In the moment of noticing what thought is doing, you are not identified with it you have opened a bit more into the spaciousness of your true being. Let's explore what this looks like. 
close your eyes and allow a few deep breaths. Bring your attention to the sounds or to your breath, whatever works for you. When you become aware that your attention has drifted off into thought again, notice whether it has wandered into the past or into the future. If it's in the past, squeeze your left hand and say past. If it's in the future, squeeze your right hand and say future. If it takes more than a split second to see what thought is doing, or if you discover yourself just spacing out, squeeze both hands and say thinking and return to your focus. Continue noting whether thought goes into the past or in the future for at least five minutes and when you're done, open your eyes. Naming past and future is one of the primary ways I bring myself back into the moment. In my early years of meditation, I usually experienced a healthy dose of wandering mind. I learned to cut through the fogginess in my mind by noticing if I was thinking about the rest of the day or trying to rework yesterday. In that moment of noticing, whether the mind was in the past or in the future, the present became more clearly defined and the mind lets go. And the more I discover myself here in the living moment. Another way we can see the direction thought is moving is to use the word planning or the word remembering, for the mind loves to do both of these. Two other pairs of words can help us watch the mechanics of thought, liking or disliking, wanting or resisting. Or you can come up with your own words. Seeing and naming the mechanics of thought allows your perception to broaden, giving you more freedom from the stories in your mind. The next step is to see the actual content of your mind. It takes a while to create the stability of attention where you can actually see what thought is doing without becoming lost in it. Over time, as our attention stabilizes, we will be able to notice and name many different states of mind that formerly caught us in their web, anger, fuzziness, self-pity, agitation, shame, anxiety, wanting, fearing, numbness, boredom, and even happiness, for it can take us away too. Every time we note a thought without judging or getting lost in it, this weakens its power over us and strengthens our ability to become bigger than the stories in our head. As we see the different parts of the conversations in our head, it becomes easier to make contact with the deep and ancient feelings that have run us our whole lives underneath the level of our everyday awareness. In making contact with them, lies the possibility of freeing yourself from their grip. For most of my life, I was terrified. The feeling was so big, I wasn't even aware that I was afraid. All I knew was that I didn't like to be with people. As I became able to see and feel it in my body, I came to know it so well that it no longer controlled me. I now have learned to work with it 
rather than having it define my life. The power of noticing and naming can also be seen with the self-judgment we took on, all of us. For me, the counseling and meditation I did for years seemed to minimize these voices of self-judgment enough that I could function in society, but they still lurked in the depths of my being and could come and devour me in a moment. Of course, when I began meditating, they kept up running commentary of how miserably I was doing. One of the most glorious moments of my life came when, rather than believing what these voices were saying, awareness kicked in and said, this is just self-judgment. In that moment, for the first time, I saw judgment rather than being lost in it. As we explore our minds in our quiet times, this centered clarity begins to show up in our daily lives. I can still vividly remember one of the first times I was able to relate to anger rather than being lost in it. After having seen and gotten to know anger as it appeared during my meditations, I found myself one day in the middle of a rather heated argument with an acquaintance. Awareness kicked in and said, oh, anger is here. Rather than being swept up in the argument, a part of me became fascinated by how anger talked and felt. As I made space for it, I became less invested in being right and more interested in actually being present for what was happening. My words and actions began to come from a different place, and we ended up laughing about how deeply we had been caught and how passionately we had defended our positions. The ability to see thought and name what it is doing will be at moments very crisp and clear, only to move back into the haze as we again become lost in our story. We are not in charge of making or breaking these moments of clarity. All we can do is be willing to return over and over again and name that which takes us away. Eventually, All that we have explored becomes stepping stones into the ability to sit quietly and simply listen to life right here, right now. In the past, we have used meditation to try to get someplace else, not understanding that everything we long for and everything we truly are is always right here right now. To try to get someplace else only creates more suffering. So we are being taught how to look at our immediate experience, look in a way that allows us to see through the trance of our ego that is always busy becoming something else, especially in spirituality. Our focus then becomes curiosity And the more attentive we become to what is right now, the more we know moments in which life flows without a running commentary of liking and disliking in our heads. The path beneath your feet. We are like children learning how to walk in consciousness. We first need to crawl to develop our leg muscles and then figure out how to stand and finally to walk on our own 
as the muscle of our curiosity is developed. To strengthen this muscle, we have progressed gradually from using our senses to connect with life to then noticing that there is a huge difference between thinking about life and being here for life. We then began to explore the stories in our head by naming, thinking, or story when we noticed that we were again caught in our minds. In the next step, we opened to noticing the mechanics of thought and finally to noticing the actual content. Now, as our muscle of curiosity becomes stronger, our awareness remembers that we are that which can observe the thoughts, feelings, and sensations that come and go throughout our life. In this remembering, we find ourselves resting in an aware heart that is interested in what is showing up in any given moment, but does not identify with it. Don't expect these tools to progress in a linear and tidy fashion in your practice. It just doesn't happen that way. On any given day, we can be back at square one again, having difficult finding our breath, or without a clue as to how or why, finding ourselves sitting for long moments in a stable and attentive awareness. The key is to simply show up for what is inviting the comparing and judging mind to take a break. To get to this level of awakening takes time and commitment, but it is definitely worth it. The Gift of Stillness Rest in natural great peace. This exhausted mind, beaten helpless by neurotic thought, like the endless pounding of the waves. Rest in natural great peace, this exhausted mind beaten helpless by neurotic thought, like the endless pounding of the waves. Rest in natural great peace. Nyoshol Ken Rinpoche There is something that happens when your body is still, that seems to be unavailable when you are moving. The analogy that Jack Hornfield, a well-known meditation teacher and author of many books on awakening, gives is that when a glass of cloudy water is still, the silt falls to the bottom and everything becomes clear. A daily returning practice is the place in which we can see the silt fall away. The power of setting time aside each day to be present for whatever focus you choose and then noticing what takes you away is enormous, helping you strengthen the muscle of your awareness so that you can be present for life. There is something waiting for us here in the living moment, something that we have yearned for our whole lives, and it can only be discovered when we learn how to see our mind rather than being lost in it. Take a moment and ask yourself if you're willing to gift yourself with a daily returning practice. This is a much different approach than saying it is something that we must do. To make it a should only creates resistance. I saw this clearly around flossing my teeth. 
Despite dire warnings from my dentist, I was a part-time flosser for years and came to hate those little boxes of floss that I had left everywhere in order to force myself into flossing. A major shift came when I realized it was a kind thing to do for my body. It got scratched off of the I have to do list, becoming something that I wanted to do for myself. I am now a daily flosser and my dentist is so pleased. The same is true for a returning practice. It is one of the most precious gifts we'll ever give ourselves. Be assured that you will wobble with it just like you wobbled when you learned how to ride a bike. The important thing is keep on returning. Know that every act of being present for life is powerfully transforming, even if it's only one moment in a 20-minute meditation. Once we are willing to gift ourselves in this way, rather than following the many rules that have been created over the years around meditation, such as you need to sit in front of an altar, it's best to sit cross-legged on the floor, your hands must be placed in a particular way, early morning is best, you must sit for 20 minutes twice a day. The most important thing to do is to discover what works for you. In a returning practice, you're not trying to do it right or get to a better place. It is all about listening to yourself and recognizing what you are experiencing right now, including what works for you. You may live in an environment where you can only sit at night or you may have an injury that precludes sitting without support. Listen to yourself and keep it simple. Allow the place where you sit, how you sit, the length of time that is right for you to come out of your life. Also allow them to change and transform over time. It is skillful to choose a quiet place where distractions are at a minimum. Turn off your phone and if you live with other people, notify them of your intention to have this time entirely to yourself. At the beginning, set aside 10 minutes. If you find 10 minutes too much, try five. To start, consistency is much more important than the amount of time. If we overexercise our physical muscles after having taken a break from working out, we can easily injure ourselves. The same is true for our muscle of attention. Demanding too much too soon may just invite frustration. The mind is like a speeding train with a lifetime of momentum that propels it into constantly becoming. To break this deep addiction, at the beginning of a sit, it can be helpful to connect with a more spacious perspective. What works for me is to feel myself being held by the chair that is being held by the floor, that is being held by the foundation of the building I'm in, that is being held by the earth. As I allow myself then to be held by the earth and I'm dancing through oceans of space, I open up into the knowing that the earth is being held by this space. In that, I discover I am dancing through space in the exact moment that I am sitting here. In that precious remembering, I pop out of the narrow absorption with only my own story and realize myself as a part of a grand and mysterious process. 
Sometimes I open to the astounding realization that it took the creativity of the universe billions of years to make this moment, and I become very curious about what is. I then begin to draw the lens of my attention into a more finely tuned focus. First, I pay attention to the space I'm sitting in, grounding in one of my senses in order to enhance the experience. My favorite is hearing. I find it fascinating to focus my attention predominantly on listening, eavesdropping on my own life, hearing the symphony of sounds appearing and disappearing and noticing that they are always different connects me to the moment that life appears out of mystery. I also wake up my curiosity by asking my body, what is? Noticing what my present experience is in my body. It may be tiredness, exhilaration, contentment, discomfort. There may be a particular sensation that needs my attention, a pain in my neck, a hungry stomach, a sore back. Realizing that the field of sensations that is my body is a constantly changing dance. My commitment is to not push anything away and to remain open to whatever I am experiencing. With this curiosity, I usually then bring my awareness into my breath, grounding in the actual experience of breathing. I then return to the breath whenever I find my attention pulled back into thought, naming what thoughts have grabbed my attention. You can also work with the lens of your attention during meditations. If you find yourself struggling, maybe even having difficulty finding a breath, you can expand your attention into listening or open it into seeing yourself from the moon or go into exploring the sensations of your body. All of these create more space in your consciousness. When the tightness in your mind begins to let go to spaciousness, you can then refocus the lens of your attention on your primary focus. A close cousin to working with a lens of attention is the ability to change one's focus. There will be times in your meditation when sounds and sensations, feelings, or emotions become so strong that naming them does not free up your attention. You can then shift your focus to the distraction. If it's a sound, notice you're paying attention to hearing and then listen to it. Really listen to it. Pretend that this is the last time you will ever hear this sound in your life. If the distraction is a sensation in your body, describe it to yourself. Allow your mind to be like a finger, intimately exploring what is happening. In that one area, there may be many sensations arising and passing away. Tingles, searing, warmth, coolness, throbbing, aching, pulsing, shooting. Observe if the sensation is dull or sharp. Does it move around or have boundaries? Does it appear or disappear or is it constant? Or is it connected with other sensations? If it's an emotion, bring your attention to where it lives in your body, describing what you find there. When you are done exploring it or you discover that you have spaced out again, return to your primary focus. Eventually, your attention will be stable and strong enough to be present for all of your thoughts, feelings, and sensations as they pass right on through you. When something is repeatedly grabbing your attention, become fascinated. See how it behaves. Does it come and go? Does it stay? Is it sharp or fuzzy, loud or quiet, agitated or subtle? 
light or heavy? Does it have a vibration? Watch it change and move. If you lose connection, go back to your breath. This can be done with the pain in your knee, boredom, sleepiness, anger, an overly full tummy, or even joy. At the beginning, you will find yourself captured by thought most of your returning time. The amount of time you spend in thinking does not matter. The power is in the returning. Doing this work is like sitting in front of a gigantic boulder so big that it is all you can see. It feels like someone is giving you a little tiny hammer and pick and said, break open this rock. You may laugh hysterically saying that this is impossible. But as one of my teachers told me, we chip away here and we chip away there at the seeming solidity of the stories in our head. Then one day we hit a fissure in the rock and it cracks open in front of us, allowing us to see what the rock had always blocked, the actual experience of life. Remembering that nothing needs to be set in stone and our job is to listen to what works for us. It is important to know that this is a gift to yourself. It's a time to reconnect with yourself, to listen to you. The only other important thing is to choose a focus, return to it over and over again, noticing when you can what takes you away. This will develop your ability to be curious so you can develop the strength of your attention that you need in order to be able to unhook from all the thoughts and feelings that block your ability to be fully alive. You can then end your returning practice in a number of ways. Some people set a timer to go off at the end of a predetermined time. If your life allows it, you can also sit until it feels right to end. If a timer is too invasive and if your schedule does not allow for an open-ended sit, you can record silence for the length of time you want to sit and then add the sound of a bell at the end. Then, whenever you sit, you can play it back and the bell will notify you when the allotted time is up. The beauty of a returning practice is that nothing is truly a distraction. Everything can be included. All of your life experiences can be quite fascinated when not resisted. This sound or that thought or the feeling racing through your body is your life. The place you are heading to is an open and spacious awareness that can include it all. As your ability to be present becomes stronger, you may only spend a few minutes at the beginning of your meditation grounding in a primary focus, and then you simply watch with an alert and receptive attention the unfolding of life within you and around you. A moment of sense. A moment of sound. A sensation in your foot, a thought from the past, a feeling in your belly, all arising and passing away. Nothing to hold on to, nothing to push away. All receive by an attentive and spacious acceptance that allows you to merge with the deep peace that is always with you. Don't let your mind rush you into this process of awakening. You may spend a week or a year just adding moments of awareness into your daily life before you're ready to sit and deeply listen to yourself. 
And even with a daily listening time, you may not notice for a long while how much this art of simply returning is transforming you until you find yourself in the middle of a crisis with a sense of calm and clarity you've never had before. Stephen Levine titled his book about this kind of meditation, A Gradual Awakening. For at times it may look like nothing is happening, but each moment of returning to your focus is another drop of water in the bucket of your awakening. One day, without being aware that the bucket is filling, you will discover that you are really present for the miracle of your life, including the difficult. Could you keep your heart in wonder at the daily miracles of your life? Your pain would not seem less wondrous than your joy. Khalil Gibran A returning practice strengthens the muscle of your attention so that you can be awake for your own life. To see the benefits of adding a time every day where you listen to yourself and to your life, discovering the joy of belonging to life, you need to explore the role of pain in awakening. It hurts to stub your toe, to give birth, to watch a loved one die. Our standard relationship with the difficult and challenging times in our lives has been to get away as fast as we can. We take pills or overeat or become terribly busy. If these don't work, we try to manage, fix, and understand. Very rarely do we meet the difficulties with a keen curiosity and a heartfelt compassion. The place where we can learn how to do this is in our returning practice. Rather than being something to ignore or annihilate, the uncomfortable parts of our quiet times can help us to transform our whole relationship to the difficulties in our lives. During a sit, the difficult whispers to us, don't run away, be with me, and I will show you the doorway to freedom. The greatest teacher we have to invite us out of struggle is the pain in our lives. If we're lucky, the things we don't like about our lives will not leave and will become even louder and more insistent over time. They will cause us to try everything we can think of in order to get rid of them until the only option we are left with is to pay attention. That which we don't like highlights for us the labyrinth of struggle that we live in and repeatedly gives us clues about the way out. There is no accident that in most fairy tales the treasure is hidden in the cave where the dragon lives, in the castle where the evil prince holds court, or in the lake where the serpent abides. The old style of solving difficulties says, oh, don't go near these unwanted guests. The new style realizes that what we truly are includes the dark and the light, the comfortable and the uncomfortable, and it uses the dark to help us awaken. These unpleasant visitors carry the key to the door out of the labyrinth of struggle. This is not to say that we should never manage, control, fix, or try to understand. These techniques are truthful at times on the path of our awakening and will continue to be so but they will only take us so far. We are now ready to add the ability to be with what is, especially that which disturbs us. It is in learning how to respond rather than react, we become free. We will explore later on how to respond to the different pains we experience rather than reacting, but for now, 
Here's a story that will give you a sense of what this looks like. Imagine coming home one day to find a monster sitting in your living room. What are you doing here, you ask with great indignation. Getting no response, irritation takes over and you order him out of the house. He doesn't move. Racing to the kitchen, you ask other family members about this intruder and nobody has a clue. Returning to the living room, you announce that you're going to call the police and he still does not respond. Calling 911, you say, there's an emergency. A monster has moved in my house and I want you to take him away. Kindly but firmly, they tell you that this is not their job. You call social services, moving companies, and even the zoo, hoping to get rid of this unwanted guest. Nothing works. In desperation, you even toy for a while with the idea of calling in a hitman. Your Uncle Joy could probably arrange it. But that is too abhorrent for your tastes. Being a good student of consciousness raising practices, you decide that since you create your reality, he is only here because you have not yet figured something out. So off to counseling you go. You describe this stranger in your living room and the counselor takes you back into childhood, discovering a trauma there. You let go of a big chunk of self-judgment and with a sense of relief, you go home fully expecting the monster will be gone. It isn't. So now you decide that it was bad karma from a past life. Off you go to be regressed and discover a life where you were the underdog. And this monster represents all the people that persecuted you. This begins to make sense. This understanding brings deeper layers of mercy. And again, with great hope, you enter the living room only to discover the monster is still there. The sense that he would be gone if only you could figure it all out and understand how to do this right begins to eat at your heart. The edges of despair flood your being, but with great strength and resolve, you say that you will just try harder and then it will have to work. Everything you've done so far has made it easier for you to live with him, but you still want him gone thinking that you are responsible for everything you close your eyes and say powerful affirmations, repeating to yourself over and over again, I am healed and this irritant is gone from my life. You feel more empowered as you say these words and you know that he is evaporating right now as you speak. In a very confident mood, you take a peek through your closed eyes only to discover he is still there. So you call your friends to come and do a healing circle, smudging your house with sage and cedar and visualizing white light surrounding and transforming this unwanted guest. The atmosphere in the house is lighter and clearer, but he still is not gone. As your friends leave, they assure you that all you have to do is continue with these practices and eventually he will leave. After all, they remind you, you are in charge of your life. Then after a particularly rigorous week of counseling, affirming, visualizing, and smudging, it begins to sink into your consciousness that maybe he isn't going to leave. If that's the case, you say, I will at least make him more presentable. You call in a barber and a fashion designer to spiffy him up. And it does become a little bit easier to live with him. He's not quite as scary and abhorrent. But one morning... Sitting on the couch and doing all the varied practices that promise to get rid of this uncomfortable visitor, 
The feelings of deep grief and rage at yourself begin to overwhelm you. If I create my reality, you say that I am a failure. Nobody else has a monster in their living room. They all do, but they never speak about it. And if I can't get rid of mine, there must be something terribly wrong with me. You collapse on the floor in a flood of tears and self-judgment and hopelessness. In the middle of this storm, you hear very faintly a melodious voice. Ask me why I am here. In shock, you look up at the monster. In this whole time, he has never before spoken. What did you say, you ask in amazement? Ask me why I'm here, he repeats. Well, I don't want to talk to you. You're the enemy. I didn't invite you into my home. You came unbidden and are deeply unwelcome, you respond. In a huff, you turn your back to him. What have you got to lose, he asks. Nothing else has worked. I haven't gone away. In your desperation, you realize that this is true. Picking yourself up out of the heap of self-failure you have fallen into, you slowly approach him. This whole time, you've never come any closer than 10 feet, and your heart is racing wildly. This is the enemy. What am I doing? I must be crazy. If I get close, he will beat me, rape me, and maybe even murder me. But your desperation urges you on. And as you sit down on the chair across from him, the question, what is, bubbles up from the depth of your being. This takes you out of resistance to the monster and a surge of joy races through your body and you recognize the power of becoming curious about the monster rather than living in reaction. As you hone your curiosity, the first thing you notice is the monster has kind eyes. Why, you have beautiful eyes, you say, and they are even twinkling with joy and laughter. Why have I never noticed before? Because you have made me the enemy, he says in melodious and healing voice. I'm not your enemy. I have come from the depths of your being in order to awaken you. I am not here to disturb you, even though I do evoke that in your mind. And I am not here to harm you, even though I do bring up your fear. I am your destiny, highlighting the labyrinth of struggle that keeps you separate from all that you yearn for. If you listen to that which is upsetting in your life, I will teach you that there is no there you need to get to, no mythical place where everything will finally be fixed and understood, managed and controlled. The healing is learning how to show up for the dance exactly as it is appearing. Beneath all of this becoming, trying and doing that you've lived in most of the time, what you yearn for is right here in present time. The way to get here is not to try to get here. It is to simply see the illusion of struggle that stands between you and the freedom you are. In some corner of your being, you know what he is saying is true. Rather than wanting to run away, you begin to listen to this monster and your heart begins to melt. You truly are my friend, you say. His laughing eyes answer yes. And you have been waiting a long time for me to pay attention and listen to what you have to say. With a big sigh, he affirms this truth. Even with this connection at moments, your fear and confusion take over. But you notice the kindness in his eyes, and again you find yourself present for this former enemy. Something he has said over and over again finally becomes clear to you. Life is for you. 
who you really are includes both the dark and the light, and it uses the dark as a tool of awakening. When you understand this, it becomes evident that your life, all of it, is trustable. It then is easier to show up for your own adventure for the moment that life appears out of mystery. The words he spoke are true, and they quiet the racing of your mind and open the fist around your heart. As you begin to drink from the nectar of truth, however, fear begins to take over again. This is so beautiful and so right, but I'm afraid I will forget, you say. I'm afraid that I will make you the enemy again. You will, he says, but that's okay. Remembering and forgetting are a part of the process. Right now, the most skillful thing you can do is to be willing to pay attention to me. That intention, the willingness to listen rather than ignore and communicate rather than manage, will take you out of the labyrinth of struggle, birthing you into the freedom that is your birthright. What this story says is the monsters in our life, that which contracts, disturbs, disgusts, terrifies and confuses us are all here to help bring us home to our center. It does take courage to even begin to let go of our resistance to the difficult, moving towards our experience instead of away. But it is in meeting our immediate experience that we discover that our monsters come from the depth of our being to heal us, not to destroy us. As I've said before, What's in the way is the way. So give yourself the gift of a daily remembering practice and start small. Don't stress the muscle of your attention. And the more you gift yourself with this, the more your attention will strengthen. And one day you will see that no matter what shows up in your life, you may initially react, but very quickly you can respond, gathering all the gifts that come with all of the challenges of our lives. Thank you for listening. Namaste. Calling all authors. Have you been considering an audiobook? Well, look no further. Come take advantage of Dream Vision 7 Radio Network's unique in-house audiobook production, which includes benefits and bonuses from our radio station. Let our knowledgeable staff guide you to create the audiobook you've always dreamed of without breaking the bank. Check out our full one-stop service from A to Z, including the ACX process. Schedule a free consultation by calling 508-226-1723. That's 508-226-1723. Or go to dreamvision7radio.com. Thank you for listening to this edition of What's in Your Way is the Way with your host, Mary O'Malley. You can access Mary's offerings on her websites, maryomalley.com and whatsintheway.com. Join Mary next time to experience the peace and joy that is always with you on Evolutionary Voices for the Quantum Age. Heard Monday through Friday at 8 a.m. and 8 p.m. Eastern on the Dream Vision 7 Radio Network. This is Dream Vision 7 Radio Network, uniting mankind with universal love. 
Our shows are created from the heart, bringing each listener to a place of divine enlightenment. Breathe, relax, and enjoy. Let life flow. <laughs>